Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Divine Rhyme. Will Hogsett here. After an extended break, as always, joined by Dylan Hughes. Dylan, we've had a lot of action, a lot of action going on since we last recorded. We announced we were going to drop uh, some Kendrick Lamar podcasts, and then Billy Strings comes out with a uh, a hear of an album, a lot of kicking banjo. Dylan, I know you you're you're listening to that. What else have you been listening to? Yeah, man, the Billy Strings has been has been great, um, but. I, I just keep going back to schoolboy, man. Okay. I just keep going back to blank face. Like yeah. the more, the more I listen to blank face, I'm like this shit through and through is the best album. And I I've said that before. Like I'm getting, I, I think I've been battling it a little bit because it, it isn't, it's not the opinion I want to have for some reason, mm-hmm. but it's, it's all, I keep just keep going back to it, man. And it just, it just hits in a different way. So it, it's been, uh, it's been that and Billy strings and kind of a mix of other stuff, but yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a nice time lately. Yeah, I agree though. The, the schoolboy album that I fall back to often, the most often is probably, uh, that one as well. Blank face. I don't know why. Um, I had a moment there when I fell back to, um, his most recent one, uh, but blank face, man, the, the, the dynamics that are on that and the different kind of sounds that he throws into, in the, in the blank face, I feel like, I don't know, kind of matches the, the Kendrick album. We're actually going to talk about today a little bit with, with the sonicness and the, and just the random shit. And of course they would because it's TDE, but I've been listening to that Billy strings a little bit as well. Uh, obviously the, the banjo is going to keep me going for a little bit and, and Billy strings, he just doesn't stop. The guy doesn't stop. He's a legend. He, uh, and he just makes great music, man. And we've, we've done our, we've done our service on bluegrass and, and stuff like that, but it's not even real, really bluegrass. He, he adds like this soul dynamic into it. And I just, I just love that fucking album, man. Uh, any, any high notes that you can pull off the top of your head on the new Billy strings album. I mean, obviously in the morning light is that was the single he released and that one just it's that's Billy strings right there. Like that's the encapsulation, you know, of Billy strings. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other songs I like love and regret obviously is a great one. Of course. Uh, what is the other one? Um, I, I'm drawing a blank on the name. I'm terrible. Like remembering names of songs I love for some reason. Mm-hmm. But there's a few on there. I mean, really, the first half of the album, I think, is just spectacular. The second half is, like, good, but it's it doesn't really feel the same. Um, but that first half of the album alone is enough to carry you through, I think. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to stop and get Billy, ticket, Billy Strings tickets next time he comes. We can't be missing oh, out on that again, man. Are you serious? Yeah, I was... Listen, I was just way too confident last time. I'm like, no one listens to Billy Strings. Like, you know, it'll be fine. I can get last second tickets. And I looked a few weeks before and they were gone. And I'm like, shit, 
I haven't been to a concert in years. This is the one concert I would really love to go to. And I fucked up. I fumbled the bag. And next time he has a tour, first day I'm in that. First day. Pre-release, he's going to get in the email. <laughs> yeah, that was a good concert. Um, but let's let's get to what we want to talk about. I mean, we've been hyping up the Kendrick pod, took a little bit of a week. I've been down bad a little bit the past week. Got a lot of things going on, so we had to delay the recording. So I'm going to start off, uh, Hughes, just with your baseline understanding of Kendrick Lamar. Um, what, what did you know before? Where, where are you starting as a Kendrick Lamar um, fan right now? Yeah, I would say Kendrick might be the artist we've done that I'm most familiar with to this point. Really? Because okay. he, he is uh, like J. Cole, I would say is pretty close to, but I've listened to every Kendrick album before this. I didn't listen to the mixtapes before this. So that was a nice little foundation, I guess. Um, but there was still listening to section A, which we're going to talk about today. It was much better listening to it this time than it was the first time around, because I think I listened to it two or three years ago and it, it just kind of faded over time. There's a handful of songs that stuck out, but listening through it a few times in the past, you know, a couple of weeks, it has really resonated with me a lot more. Like the first time I listened to it again, I'm like, it's, it's fine. It's a fine album, but the more I've listened to it, the more I'm like, okay, I, I could bump a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started, uh, I start this week of Kendrick Lamar as like a damn fan. So kind of like, I mean, most of the artists that we cover, I, I, I tend to grab their later stuff and then move for move, uh, into their in discography from a later stage and so this is another one of the same at least for me uh where i listened to uh the his initial stuff and i'm like wow okay this this kid's got something you know this kid's got something going and and more to more to kendrick than anyone else so i i really realized early i'm like okay this kid knows what he's fucking doing you know this guy like it's it's not like the j cole stuff that that we're like oh we see flashes of brilliance you know i think that's what we got with j cole where in his earlier stuff we saw a lot of flashes of brilliance but this is this is like right from the top Kendrick Lamar is in the, he's in the game and he's there, you know, and that's, I think that's what I found most impressive, uh, at least with uh, section 80, which we're going to get into a little bit more, but uh, Hughes, I want you to, I want you to describe the mixtapes a little bit. And uh, what, what did you take from them? What did you learn about Kendrick from the mixtapes specifically? You know, probably my first thought and, I think there were five mixtapes. I believe I only listened to four because one of them I couldn't find the the very first one I couldn't find. But the initial thought I had was, man, everyone's got to start somewhere, you know, because those mixtapes obviously are much better than most people will ever do. But compared to the Kendrick that we know now, it's just not even close. And it kind of almost like motivated me to a little bit because it's like it it really was a great reminder that everyone has to start somewhere like to build off of, you know, a path in the past, really, you have to actually do stuff and try stuff. And Kendrick was like, I'm just going to put the best mixtapes out that I can do right now. 
And I could look back in a year and say that sucks, but I have to have actually done it to realize that. So I thought that was kind of just a personal takeaway I had, but I mean, they were, I think I didn't like take any notes or anything because there wasn't much to take notes on, but I mean, I think they were pretty, pretty solid mixtapes for that, you know, was in his late teens, early twenties when most of those came out. And it was kind of cool also to get a, a look into the foundation of TDE because my favorite mixtape was no sleep till NYC, which was basically entirely done with J rock. And I think Absol was even in there a little bit too. So it was really interesting to listen to them. And there's some lines in there that are just so stupid. And it, it's just <laughs> funny because it's like, that's what, that's what young kids do. They just make stupid lines and they throw them in. Like some of the hooks are horrible. But <laughs> it, it's just funny to go back and listen to it. And you can kind of, you can kind of bump the songs and still recognize like these lyrics are, are nowhere near what they can do now, mm-hmm. but it's still fun to listen to. And I will say, I think I'm not sure. I know DJ Envy was involved in that project. And I don't know if he um, did much production on it, but the flow between songs is brilliant. Okay. Like it actually, of all the projects I've literally ever listened to, not just Kendrick, that may have been the best flowing project I've ever heard where we've talked about this before. You have to check your phone to make sure it's a, it's not the same song mm-hmm. because it just, it flows seamlessly into the next song. And it's not like that. Just a few songs, like every song flows so seamlessly into the next song and it makes the project feel really connected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was really nice to hear that because again, these, these are just kids at the time. And I think it was a good showcase of what they were capable of. And obviously they have both, uh, Kendrick has had more success, but J-Rock too, like they, they have come a long way since that project. Now is, is the sound, would you say more hip hop and, uh, or, or, or like more rap? Because when, and we'll talk about this when we get to section 80, but I definitely notice a, a real hip hop vibe, especially when you compare it to like, Schoolboy Q, who at the end of his career kind of did get some more of the melodic hip hop kind of choruses in there, but um, mainly was a, you know, a rapper and coming from a not not having much background with Kendrick. I was really surprised about how early on it, it seemed like he was completely in, in, in the hip hop kind of community and not just the rap community. And so would you see would you say you start to see a little bit of that in the mixtapes as well? Yeah, I would say there's a mix. I feel like No Sleep Till NYC was more of a, a rap album and what I or a rap mixtape. And what I really liked about that project was that they did a lot of kind of I think it's called interpolation or whatever, where they they kind of use um, old old sounds and stuff. And I mean, they use the Dead Presidents beat. They use the Shook Ones beat. Like, you know, of course, they're paying homage to a lot of the the 90s New York City rappers, but it was uh, th- there's definitely a mix like that project, I would say, is more kind of rap based. But there was there was definitely some hip hop influence and just kind of thinking back, I think that was kind of typical in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, where hip hop and rap was very intertwined. 
And I'm and we'll there's a couple songs on this on section 80 we'll talk about like that. And it was interesting. I was thinking back to when I was in like seventh grade. I'm like, you know, there was a lot of songs that sounded like this where you would have rappers and and R and B and hip hop um musicians kind of mixing their stuff together. And it I don't know if the sound was that great. I think there's a reason why we don't really see it too much nowadays, but it was um, a little bit of a flashback, and yeah, I think it was it was common at that time to kind of kind of mix things up. And I think for a young artist, it's it's kind of a good idea to test test your lanes a little bit, you know, and see see where you really thrive in. Yeah, and Kendrick right off the bat uh, in Section Eighty definitely uh, thrives. I mean, I don't know about the commercial success of this this particular album, especially when compared to. Um, compared to some of his other projects obviously later in his career that have been uh heightened to a great extent because of just how popular he is nowadays but right off the bat with section 80 i kind of got this feel of like okay this kid is years beyond his years beyond his his age and he, he talks about that a lot uh in some of the lyrics in section 80 specifically but it was released in 2011, so damn near 10 years ago. Damn, 10 years ago, this album's released. And just thinking of that, Hughes, that's the content on this album. I mean, I don't know how you could grow as an artist, uh, both sonically and lyrically, that much in 10 years. But when you start from a baseline that that's this this high quality, I think I think it starts to become clearer to see why Kendrick is where he is right now. And so I want to do, I want to, I want to know your initial thoughts overall of uh, the album and, uh, and how, how it kind of blossomed into this career that we, we see now with Kendrick. Yeah. I think one of the impressive things about Kendrick was, I mean, we compare pretty much every artist we've done to this point to J Cole mm-hmm. and that, that's kind of just because that's our foundation for this whole thing. But I think, I mean, J. Cole is one of the best ever, right? So if we're ever comparing someone to him, I think that's a good sign for whatever artist we're talking about. Uh, Kendrick happens to be right up there with him as well. And I think we talked a lot with J. Cole about him having to learn along the way what the world is like. I was most fascinated by the fact that Kendrick just kind of already knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think he was 23 when he made this record and he's like a, he's like a grown ass man. And yes, 23, you're an adult, but you're an idiot. Like mm-hmm. we both know we're like, we're idiots right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just how life goes. Like you're a, you're a stupid young 20 year old and you don't know shit about the world and you learn along the way. And Kendrick, he just came out like teaching, like yeah. this is a, this is a 50 year old man that's seen some shit. Like he's, he's, he's laying it down. Like he's trying to, to show people what's good, what's bad. Like, you know, what, what to gravitate to and what not to. And it was fascinating because, and you even saw it in the mixtapes a little bit too. So it wasn't like this was just uh, something that he just developed right here. Mm-hmm. Like the mixtapes, there was a handful of lines in there where it's like, man, this kid gets it. And he mm-hmm. was even younger at that time. So I think where he's come from, it doesn't surprise me that he can make projects like to pimp a butterfly and damn, mm-hmm. because he's, he's known for a long time, what the world is like and kind of 
what he or how he sees the world. So really, he's just tied that knowledge into his musical talent and he's able to make records like this. Yeah, it seems like Section 80 is uh, very, very thoughtful like he, he put a lot of thought into it and you know once we get into artists careers later on not named drake uh that a lot of their albums get a lot more thoughtful right but the, the thing that's more most surprising is how he releases this album which is his first like you know studio produced album this is his kind of first big big hit and it's got such a, a concise message and he knew what he wanted to do with it whereas Again, going back to J. Cole, um, his first couple of pieces were still kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm putting this out. I'm putting this out here. I'm going to try to get big. I'm, I want to make my name off of of music. I want to try to make my living off of music. This is what I want to do. I want to get out of the slums. Whereas Kendrick's first album is like, this is your first lesson, <laughs> you know, like just a just a supreme confidence that that Kendrick had within himself to put an album out like this. And it starts right off the fucking top. We we talk about how important intros are all the time, but the the intro fuck your ethnicity if that's not you know uh plain as day enough to see that kendrick was coming and not messing around uh but sonically uh the the it's you start off by campfire again that kind of gave me sturgill vibes where you hear campfire or a, a, a a fucking trash fire and then we have a narrator that's like gather around and so it's like man kendrick kendrick knows what he's doing this is his first album and he's he's already ready and then obviously uh the 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 theme uh lyrically of the song kind of saying join together and, and fuck your ethnicity let's all do this together is there but all but the the build-up and the um and the beat in this song are it's it's just one thing that kind of blew me away right off the bat for this album and it really started the album off on a good track at least in my opinion to where i'm like okay this is gonna have some good content but also sound fucking insane too yeah and we've talked about the build-up before and the importance that can have and you know we speaking of sturgill we talked about that with with uh some of his stuff where he's he's not necessarily just going to dive in with the music. Like he's kind of likes to set the tone of, of what's coming. And that's really what the whole campfire thing was. And of course he gives some good foreshadowing talk about Keisha and Tammy, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to get in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just lays right off the bat. Like let's, let's get this message out. And it's an important message because the, you know, I, I don't like to talk about race too much because as a white person, like what, what is there beneficial for me to say, uh, is kind of how I feel about it, but just kind of viewing some of the discussions from afar, it's, it's kind of interesting how the race discussion has devolved over time to like Martin Luther King was basically saying, you know, fuck your ethnicity. Like let's, let's judge each other based on who we really are as people. And it's kind of turned into something different. Um, and it's, you know, we don't need to go too deep in that, but this is kind of a different, uh, it's not a different look, but it's kind of like a more of an old fashioned look at, at, at race and as people where it's like, we're all humans, right? We don't need to, to look at each other and constantly talk about what race and ethnicity we are. Like we're people, this is, we're all the same on the inside and that's what's supposed to matter. And, 
And as an individual, like you need to realize that your race does not, is not your identity. Like you are your own person. You've got a passion inside you that fuels you towards whatever you want to do. And that's that. Yeah. The message there right off the bat is it's definitely, it's definitely, I, it's definitely ear grabbing. And another thing that's ear grabbing right off the bat in this song is just Kendrick's flow, man. And his, his lyricism and his ability to, his, his rhyme scheme ability is absolutely insane. Like there's, there's, there's nothing more that, that really needs to be said other than the fact that this guy is on a different level, like completely different level than anyone else, just with his writing ability, his ability to make it sound good. Uh, but also carry like a, a carry a message. And that's, that's, that's the thing that really grabbed me. It's like, man, this guy's not just rapping. This guy's not just rapping. He's actually writing a fucking story kind of like, um, uh, the last album we did, Dude Juanita, only it's 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 a hip hop story. And then at the end of this song, um, High Power. Now that's that's an interesting that's an interesting just kind of like tagline, right? Because um, you know a lot of these rappers use different taglines to boost up their uh, track, whether it's like Young Thug or Travis Scott with um, what was what's Travis? It's lit. You know, but high power seems like some seems like something similar in that fact, but it also seems like more. So this is the first time we were introduced to the idea of high power, uh, at least in this album. What, what's your take on that, Hughes? What, what, what's your take on uh, the high power? I mean, yeah, this as far as kind of ad libs go or whatever. I mean, high power is one that actually means something. Yeah. Which is the nice in rap, uh, as you talked about. But yeah, it's, and again, more foreshadowing for what's to come, but kind of just the, I mean, kind of building off what he said in that intro with the, with the passion fueling inside you, like high power is kind of like the, you know, whatever energy you have behind you, whatever you believe in, whether that's God or the universe or whatever it is, like, that's kind of, that's what that is. And everyone has it. And no matter where you come from or who you are, you have it. And we need to recognize that and, you know, empower people to find it if they have it. So, again, kind of it kind of mixing into that initial message that he wanted to talk about. And he'll get to it more later. But yeah, I, I thought it was uh, I, I like the whole high power thing. And and it's a thing that TDE in general has kind of uh, adapted and mm-hmm. adopted. Um, Schoolboy talked about it a little bit. J-Rock, like all of them talk about it a little bit, but it's obviously Kendrick's thing and he still uses it to this day. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's it, it's definitely something that catches you when you hear it because it is kind of like their, their call sign, for example. I mean, not necessarily like this is TDE. It, it's not this is TDE, this is high power. It's kind of like just what where the it's like the, where the energy comes from almost it's it's weird it's like fuck your ethnicity is the message of the song right but high power is kind of like all right that's that's how you come to it or that's how we, that's how we're able to do it it's it's high power it's power together and so um yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more obviously there's a the the final song is named high power uh but getting into hold up hold up is uh kind of a different different kind of look to where we're talking about some real stuff and then he's like i'm writing this on an airplane trying to 
fuck the stewardess. What was what was your take on uh, Hold Up? I mean, great beat. Um, and, and Kendrick has kind of already mastered the chorus at this point. I mean, it's just like, it's just a, a simple, like, hold up, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But, but it, it sounds really nice and it flows really well. Um, and yeah, it's, I thought that was another interesting takeaway from this album is that he's already attacking um, kind of the, the record industry, the music industry. As, as he's just basically getting into it, he's already taking shots. You know, like it, it usually takes a lot of rappers or musicians a few years at least to say, hey, like you guys are fucking me over. But Kendrick right off the bat, I mean, maybe there was something he realized in the in the mixtapes that kind of empowered or uh, influenced him to do this. But and and I'm assuming he's not taking a shot at TDE. Uh, I'm assuming it's it's some sort of other kind of record label or the industry as a whole. But I thought that was an interesting like he says a crash dummy for dollars, which I thought. Like that's, that's a schoolboy line right there. Yeah. A, a crash dummy for dollars. It's like, <laughs> he's not going to like, that's one of those show and tell things where he's or show not tell where like, you know what he means by that, but he's not specifically saying like they're milking me for all I have for money and shit. Um, so again, this is, we, we like to talk about TDE a lot because these guys are so interconnected and, and they learn a lot from each other. And, I mean, Absol makes a nice appearance on this album. So there's just a lot of, of influence from those guys. And you can just tell that, again, like that line, I just look at him like, that's a schoolboy line right there. And mm-hmm. for all we know, Kendrick taught that to schoolboy, like who knows. Um, but also he talks a little bit about how you just don't know who's who. And again, that's another popular discussion amongst these kind of guys. J. Cole talks about a lot too, where people are fake and that's kind of a more talking about the industry as well. But when the, the money comes in, people start acting different and it's, it's not a unique take again, but I think it's still interesting to hear about it because from a societal standpoint, we just love Hollywood, man. We love LA. We love famous people, celebrities. And it's like, no one even listens to these guys, you know, like I feel just goes over their head when you listen to J. Cole or Kendrick or whoever and it's like do they even listen to the lyrics because they've been saying this shit for 10 years and long before that too where it's like this stuff is not what it looks like but people just continue to think that it is it's almost like it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like a cool thing to say like all all the uh the fame sucks you know what i mean it's like it's like a little it's like a little clout it's like where people want to get to the point where they could be like yeah fame's nothing you know it's nothing to me and when in reality like these guys are actually talking about how it actually fucking sucks and they just don't you know no one listens and so but a line that i took from this song which i'm kind of want to go into is wicked as 80 reverence in a pool of fire with devil holding hands from a distance don't know which one is a christian damn who can i trust in 2012 there's no one not even myself gemini start screaming for help somebody and so um what i want to talk about is like the uh 
the religious kind of aspect of the devils and reverence holding hands. And then um, the fact that he mentioned that he was a Gemini, uh, which if you know anything about astrology, Gemini's are like the, the twins. And so there's one perfectly good and perfectly evil kind of twin in the same body. And that's the idea of what Gemini's are. And so putting that line next to the devils and reverence holding hands, you can't even recognize which one's a Christian. I think that's just really interesting to look at, like how, you know, from the outside looking in, from the outside looking in, you don't know which one's evil. I think what he was trying to say in that is like, it comes down to him, you know, it comes down to the decisions that he makes, um, what he believes is right and wrong. Uh, Just a completely insane way to uh, lay it out there but uh kendrick's able to put it through and make it sound good like you know kendrick's able to do and then the next song in this this album uh adhd one of the most popular songs on this album's uh i hadn't listened to it much uh before but i i definitely this gave me the, the when i was talking before the pod Hughes. this gave me like the j cole vibes of before the fall off or, or that album um what's that album called i forgot it again what are you talking about the j cole album oh kod yeah this this is the first time where i've got really kod vibes and it's interesting because again this is the first album in kendrick's career where as it took j cole four or five albums to kind of get to the point where he's calling out society for their um major negatives whereas this is the third song in kendrick's album and he's like fuck that like a lot <laughs> yeah this was a song i originally heard on gta this is okay a, uh, okay yeah kind of rap playlist and man been a lot of good nights just cruising down the the highway in Los Santos, just pumping some ADHD. But it was again, it was one of those songs where you listen to it and it sounds good, but you're not really listening to it. It's just kind of in the background. And as I dove into the lyrics, I'm like, ah, I get it. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me, speaking of, of Schoolboy, who I was just listening to earlier on Blank Face, and I'm trying to remember. I think it may be Lord Have Mercy, the song. Um, he says, I'm a dark, my lungs, I'm a heal, my soul, which again, another perfect schoolboy line. Yeah. But like, it's, uh, it's kind of what this song is about where, you know, people think these substances are going to save them. And it's, it's something the schoolboy talked about a lot, especially an oxymoron. Um, and he has talked about in other times too. And it's, I mean, these guys are from basically the same area, you know, so they have similar experiences of, of that part. Of, of California and, and the LA area. And it's, uh, it's interesting to hear more about this. And, and it's true where people, and this is not people's fault, like people's actions are taught. Like, I think that's something that people need to understand is people are who they are because they're taught to be that way. So this is the pharmaceutical industry. This is other people around us where it's like, Hey man, just, just pop some pills. Like you're going to feel good. You mm-hmm. know, you, uh, if you have any problems, like just, just go to this, this is going to save you. And it's, it's really sad. And there's so many people in this country, in this world that fall victim to that, where it's like a, it's like a trap and you can't get out of it because you're addicted and you don't know how to handle your problems without a substance to kind of save you. And this is basically what Kendrick's talking about, how, 
people kind of just convince themselves that they need this or that, and this is going to save them. This is going to keep them going, but it's like an endless line of you're never going to really save yourself because you are constantly relying on these other things. Yeah. And again, I think it's interesting how comparing the schoolboy. Now we had two albums or maybe even three of schoolboy realizing and more of Mac Miller, you know, a lot more of Mac Miller realizing these issues that are in him. And, you know, you spend three albums of a discography trying to figure out how to battle him. Whereas again, Kendrick right from the start seems like he never really got into that shit. And I'm sure he did a bit in the past, like slightly, but it's never become to the point where it becomes his vice, right? Where we, where we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, Kendrick right from the bat is like, okay, this shit is not, not good. And it's not the schoolboy where he's like, I don't know what a, it's not like prescription slash oxymoron where schoolboy is like divulging into his life. And he's like, I know this isn't right, but um, you know, this is all I know. Kendrick has been blessed with the knowledge and the discipline to understand that and then not fall into that, you know? And that's, that's what's so impressive. I think about Kendrick, which obviously gives him more album space to kind of talk about issues, right? Talk about other people's issues rather than his own. And I think you definitely see that in this album and as moving forward, uh, a lot of them, a lot of the, the projects that Kendrick released, you know, just not, not having time or not, since he's not in that position, he has more time to discuss other things, you know, which help push uh, the label and society, the direction that he wants, I guess. And so now uh, we get into a, uh, we get into like a, a different part of the album. I want to say no makeup or vice where he starts talking about some um, specific stories, specific people to relay some of these ideas. What was your, what was your thoughts about, um, no makeup? Yeah. So first of all, this is kind of one of the songs I was mentioning earlier, where this is very, a very 2012 song where you have, I don't like a, I, I don't know what genre this guy, Colin Monroe comes from. He's probably like, I don't know, just some sort of singer. Yeah. There, there there was a lot of that in the early, early 2010s where you have rappers and singers kind of coming together and like, was, see you again, see you again with Khalifa kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Like that, there was so much of that. And I have to say, I, I'm happy that era is gone. Yes. I, yes. I don't think it was, I don't think it was very uh, entertaining. And, and this song is, is kind of an example where, it's a nice radio song, but it's not, it's not changing your life, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but again, another very important message where man, and, and I'm sure it's even progressed much further from when he, uh, this was 2012 because 2012 was basically pre Instagram. Like yeah. I think it was around back then, but it was not as popular as it is now. And God, man, this society, especially for girls, it's just, like if you're not hot, you're nothing, you know, and it is just so sad. And, and it, it's just really sad to see so many girls convince themselves or just be convinced that I have to look pretty or I'm nothing, you know? 
And I mean, you see it so much on Instagram where it's kind of that instant gratification where you post a nice picture, you get a bunch of likes and comments. You feel good. And and it's like, okay, that's all I got to do. Like that. This is who I am now. And it's like, you can be so much more than that, man. Like we, we have a brain for a reason, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to use this brain to do stuff. And, and the body is just there to get us around. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I look at it. At least like this body, it's important to us. We need to take care of it, but it's just here to get us around. Like it's here to help us connect to this material world. But, but our, our mind, that's where it's really at. And when you just focus so much on looks that just goes out the window, like the, it's just really sad. And there's so many girls that fall victim to it. And it's just an overarching societal issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish there was more songs that came out like this, where it's like, not only do you not need the makeup, like I don't want you to have it because it's, it's not helping anyone. It's like you become it. It's like you become the makeup, you become the body. And so whenever, and that, that's the difference between like short-term dopamine release, right. To long-term kind of dopamine release. Whenever you think that you're the makeup that you put on, you think whatever it is in the guys, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a guy thing too. Um, we all have our different, different vices per se, but whenever you become that, then it's attacked, then you get defensive. Whereas if you, if you put your value, if you put your personality on something else on like, okay, I'm not this, this, this person, I'm always growing as a person, you know, I'm always, I'm always changing. I'm always trying to better myself and you don't stay static in in that. That's where I think growth kind of kind of, kind of, comes from right and you know when people it's the same thing when you look into people who do drugs it's like you know even me i fall into this a lot too where like i've i've become like i am this person who kind of just just helps myself out or, or tries to make my life better through alcohol or weed or something like that when in reality like i can make my life better without alcohol and weed i just won't have that short-term dopamine kick that i'm so used to at this point right and so it's it's a, a lot of that's like the, the 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 chemical aspect in your brain too you know that you got to get over you gotta use your mind to get over because like what's what's a bunch of short-term dopamine releases compared to like one long-term where you actually know that you're going to be better you know and so that that's the toughest part about that but again going back to Kendrick and in, in, in the album I think Kendrick's just ability to view it from a balcony and we kind of talked I I know I mentioned that um with Mac Miller how he was so kind of enveloped in his own problems he couldn't take an outside look and say hey maybe if I just stop for like a month my life let's let's see how good my life would be you know let's let's see but when you're in in the thick of it kind of like I am right now to an extent it's hard to look outside of that of 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 what you know of of your comfortability you know and you mentioned you mentioned that uh he is on on a previous pod how you know a lot of the reasons we i 
we fall into these these vices is because we just know them so fucking well man you know we it's all we've known and it, it makes us happy because we're comfortable and we know it whereas taking a risk and you know maybe trying to build a better life off of something that that's not those drugs is it, kind of scary to us right and so uh, I, I just think that's an interesting way to look at it as well i don't know if you have a comment on that Hughes. yeah i mean i think this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately because I keep hearing people say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I really think that's true, that your environment is really what shapes you. And I think, you know, growing with other people is that's like how you are. You either grow with other people or you stay the same with other people. And for example, like I don't, I don't mean to like say that like not all girls are like this, right? Not Mm -hmm. all girls go on Instagram seeking attention. Like it's, it's maybe even the minority. Like if you really looked at the grand scheme of things, it's probably the minority that actually do that. But we fall into these groups of people where it's like, if you have a bunch of girls that they just go on Instagram and they look pretty and that's their life. If you spend time with them, then that's who you are. Right. And that's kind of what, you were just mentioning with, with the comfortability and, and just what, you know, like it's, it's not necessarily maybe their fault because they just don't know any different. And it's the same with drugs. If you grow up kind of poor, maybe, and you're surrounded by drugs a lot, maybe your parents do drugs or whatever, um, or even just like negativity. If you grow up around negativity, like you're not going to know any different. Cause again, as I said earlier, you are taught what you are. Like you, you are influenced from other people more than you may realize. And obviously the earlier in your life you are, you're going to have more, it's going to have more impact on you, but it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and this is something that we've talked about a lot already. And it's something we'll continue to talk about that. I mean, and I've become very fascinated with just human behavior um, over the past year, really. And I get more and more interested in it and listening to music like this just really makes you think. And as I mentioned before, I think it was with Mac that it's good to hear these perspectives because it's so easy to just stick with what we know. And we stick with who we are and our friends and the stuff we do. It's like, Oh, that's, that's what's right in the world. And maybe it is, but it's also because we were taught that we grew up in good environments and not everyone has that, uh, you know, honor or whatever of the privilege of being able to be fostered in like a great environment. And people, people don't, I mean, people do choose to do things that they do, but if you're taught to do those things, it's hard to break out of it. So it's, it's an interesting thing. And we'll continue to talk about this because I know me and you are both pretty interested in that kind of whole dynamic of life and, the musicians we listen to seems to be as well. Yeah. It's just like opening your mind to other possibilities and not even confirming, not when you see a, a new possibility, confirming it right away. It's just opening your mind to be like, Hey, that might be an option, you know? And when it turns to drugs, it's like, you know, a lot, 
it's 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 heightened with drugs because of again because the dopamine like in the in the serotonin that you get from them whereas and that's make, makes it harder to choose the other stuff because you know right away with drugs or whatever i mean drugs it's just it's just got a, the the most home feeling to me but I, i'm sure other vices kind of release the serotonin in a similar way right where it makes you feel good for a, a little bit it makes you feel happy for a little bit but again it doesn't necessarily do anything to address your the vice as a whole or the thing that's kind of holding you down as a whole if anything it just strengthens strengthens it but uh let's move on here to tammy's song her evils um another story about uh, a, a girl uh being you know uh having having a man and then just kind of switching right away whenever the man does something wrong so what, what was your take on this and if you have a difference what's the difference between the evils and a vice if you got a take on that mm, that's that's an interesting thought um i will say that and this is something i think about a lot and i will say if you want to think go for some runs man god damn like i've been running pretty heavily lately because i've just been realizing it's so easy to stop running or just stop working out because it, it's, it's not a fun thing to do necessarily. Your body hurts, you know, it's so easy to be like, Oh, whatever, I'll skip it today. And skipping it today turns into skipping it for a week. And then a month. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're nine months down the line. It's like, shit, I haven't ran in a while. No. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to run pretty consistently lately. And God, man, talk about getting the mind going. Like I get so many interesting thoughts that I kind of just, talk myself through on the runs and it, it carries into the next day. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been nice. So if, if you want to do that, give it a shot. Um, but I've been thinking a lot about this lately that I think if you make life a competition, you're, you're going to lose, right? If you look at life and people as I have to match that energy, like I'm, I hate hearing people say I have to match that energy unless it's a good energy, I guess. But there are so many people that they just, they give what is given to them. And I think you're going to become miserable if you're just constantly measuring the energy like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, this person didn't text me on my birthday. So I'm not going to text them on their birthday. Like yeah. that's how relationships die, you know, mm-hmm. and you get so wrapped up in your ego maybe because it's like, Oh, they forgot about me on my birthday. It's like, they probably are fucking busy. Like not everyone can remember your birthday. Yeah. Um, and, and it can be even worse than that. Like this, where it's like, you know, she's really loyal to this guy and maybe he cheats on her, which is not good, but two wrongs don't make a right. You know, it doesn't make it right to cheat just because he cheated. And and that's kind of what I'm talking about with the competition. And if you're constantly measuring other people's actions, like if someone cheats on you, how about you just leave? Yeah. That's how, that's how you win. And that's how he's going to learn not to cheat. So it's, this is what we call a toxic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so this, you know, again, this is another thing. And this is what the fourth or fifth song. And it's had a, all these songs have had different messages so far. So it, this is kind of speaking to his genius, but I mean, it's, this is a good example of, of what not to do. And it's interesting that he like is using kind of specific people to tell those stories. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and again, it just shows uh, he's opening your mind. He's opening the listener's mind to another mindset, another, um, you know, advice that affects the people that he's been around and the people that he involves his everyday life with. And it's slowly building a, a bigger picture of, of, of a message that he wants to send. But then uh, I love this chapter six uh, interlude. I love the next song, chapter six interlude. And it's like, it's that roller coaster sonically that we're getting. Uh, and he's like, right, I'm going to take you down a little bit. I've, I've, I've gave you some heat here in the first five songs or so. I've gave you a little bit to think about. So let's, let's take it down, right? Get a nice, smooth uh, beat, slow tempo, little nice little chorus. Um, and again, although it's an interlude, it has has a good message, you know, pray that we make it to 21. You know, that that's kind of like the mindset in, in Section 80 in, in Compton, uh, at least in 2011 when Kendrick was there. He's like, you know, we're just trying to have a good time. We just want to make it to 21, you know, and then what's what's after that? We're not really thinking about that. Uh, but then we're introduced back to the narrator. And I love this. I love the way he fucking introduces the next topic. He says, I'm glad we we're able to talk advice, talk about our vice and our evils. There's an even more important topic I'd like to discuss the dis dysfunctional bastards of the Ronald Reagan area. He just goes straight into it. It just doesn't doesn't relentless. And uh, I really like that. And then obviously leading into the next song, which talks a bit more about it. But I really like this intro. I think it or not intro this inter interlude. I think it fit really well into the album. Yeah. And interludes are hit and miss a lot of the time. I think some people can mess them up, but this was really good. Actually progressing the story a little bit and you know, this is almost like crash talk a little bit where it's kind of sectioned off into different mm -hmm. messages and kind of general themes. And then at the very end, it's going to all come together. So again, TDE influence, I mean, name a, name a group of people that, that mixes their kind of message and their styles together like that. Yeah. But yeah, introducing the, the Ronald Reagan era, which we're about to talk about more and kind of explaining why he thinks the people from his area are so messed up. Mm -hmm. Like, so we, we kind of spend the first part of the album discussing all the problems with people. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting to the source of all those problems. Yeah. The Ronald Reagan, Reagan era, <laughs> which this song is actually fucking killer too. Like I, I really, really like this song, the introduction, uh, and then man, it's kind of reminds me of fuck your ethnicity where you're, we're like, all right, this is a song where Kendrick just wants to expose everyone and fucking put them on a platter and show off why he's like the best in the game. Because damn this, his lyricism, this is the second song where I'm like, okay, this guy has so many different tools that he can pull out of, out of the box and, and, and hit you with any one of them whenever he wants. Yeah, this is a fun one, man. I mean, the chorus, the whoop de whoop whoop de whoop whoop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. You know that this is this is the Kendrick that's really fun. You know, um, and this this is a great song. And again, this kind of lays out more of the the Ronald Reagan crack stuff, crack mm -hmm. of the '80s. Which, man, I've heard like little bits and pieces about this, but I really want to go back and study this a little bit more now because God. I mean, the history of drugs in America is extensive, 
but over the past 40 years has been really kind of interesting how it's how it's broken down and i would love to just go back and read more about this uh i'm sure kendrick is is factually correct with his statements but yeah i would like i would like to hear a little bit more about that but it's interesting to hear that perspective because this is this is his this is his hometown really you know this is he's kind of explaining what he saw and why it happened and I'm just, I, I don't know if he's done this in an interview or anything, but I would love to know how he kind of skirted all this stuff. Cause he seems almost untouched by the surroundings of where he grew up at. Like schoolboy Q talks about being a crip, you know, like he, he had to go into it and get out of it. But Kendrick Lamar doesn't really talk about what he had to escape. He kind of just talks about what he saw while he was there. So I would be interested and maybe we'll learn more about this in the rest of his discography, but I'd be interested to know more about kind of how he got away from all this stuff. I think it's founded in a confident, just an unbelievable confidence within himself. And I think that's what I, I, I took from Kendrick, a confidence, uh, from with who he is, with who he wants to be. He knows who he wants to be. He knows how to get there and he's not, and he doesn't let anyone, anything tell him otherwise he wants, you know, and that's, that's what I've really taken from this first album. Just, you know, he's, he's not proven. He'll, he'll throw out a line that says every once in a while, like I'm going to fucking kill you. Like on the game, I'm the best at, out there, but it doesn't sound like he's trying to prove it. Whereas J Cole in, in the original, um, original albums was like kind of trying to prove it to you that he's the best, you know? And it seems like Kendrick started just from a, a, a different standpoint where he thinks he's the best and he thinks he, he's so high on himself. He doesn't even feel like he has to prove it. You know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to go out there and say I'm the best. He just thinks that he is. And that's where, that's where we've gotten to this point. And that's why he's able to bypass a lot of the, the hurdles that it, it takes to become a successful artist. Because I, I think, again, I think it's just, uh, coming from an extreme confidence in himself and what he wants to do and how he wants to lay it out. And I think you definitely see that uh, in this album and in, in his career. Yeah, I mean, intuition has been something we've talked about a lot. And J. Cole had it. He talked about it, but he also felt like he had to prove it, as you mentioned. And Kendrick, I mean, he's just out of the gate like, yeah, this is who I am. Like you either accept it or you don't. Yeah. And whether you accept it or not doesn't really change anything. So yeah. that that confidence is definitely very alluring as a listener. So let's get into the next song, uh, Poe Man's Dreams. Little uh, little look into Edgar Allan Poe. Not the only one we've covered on this podcast. What did you think about this song? Yeah, I mean, this is another kind of interesting topic um, and a new topic where talking about um about about jail really prison and and i thought he the way he started was really interesting how he says i used to want to see the penitentiary way after elementary thought it was cool to look the judge in the face when he sentenced me and and this is kind of what we're talking about earlier with with what you know Mm -hmm. where like schoolboy he got into the crypts because his cousin right and Kendrick is talking about how his uncles were institutionalized basically since he was born 
and his parents had to do some stuff they probably didn't want to do to get the family going. And Kendrick saw that. He's like, well, shit, it can't be that bad because they're all there and they're fine and they're my family. And as he got older, he's like, that shit's not cool. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work my ass off to make sure that everyone stays out of trouble, basically. And everyone has, you know, a nice life. So, again, just more of his ability to to see, to see things and kind of understand them at this age was really just fascinating because, again, most people, because he was basically our age when he made this. And, I mean, I think me and you can see the world for what it is in most ways, but there's a lot of people our age that, that are just not into that. And I almost think there's a part of growing up in that kind of area that maybe makes you grow up quicker than mm-hmm. other people. And, and there's people that talk about that, how, you know, you got to be the man sometimes when you're like 15. Mm-hmm. So by the time you're 23, it's really like you're 30. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I kind of get that vibe from Kendrick too, where he's like, I may seem young, but I've got a lot of years on me. Uh, going off what you said earlier, how a lot of a lot of it is kind of what people are taught. I mean, he mentions in this song, like I was raised essentially to look forward to the day where I'm going up against a judge, and he sends me sends me to um, sends me to like a year, like ten years in jail, you know. And that's that's essentially how he was developed as a, as a person. And so it, it kind of opens your mind to see how a lot of other people in that uh, same circumstance kind of fall into the same traps. Right. And, and Kendrick was just able to recognize that, you know, although that m- might be what everyone's kind of pushing on me, I, I want more for myself. Right. And so um, that takes us on to the spiteful chant, the, um, the ninth song on the album again uh another kind of look into uh how 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 he's developed and how he was kind of taught to live life in in compton in section 80 yeah and again it's it's kind of more uh, another mix of of what we've heard a little bit with about him wanting to blow up and him believing in himself and you know more about just kind of mixing all the stuff that he's talked about to this point. And it's a, another interesting kind of look at where he came from. And, and it's that mix of, of having the intuition, but also telling people basically to fuck off, Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, which you need, you need a little bit of that, you know, and there's, there's a couple of songs uh, before this album finishes where it's like that, where, he kind of goes into that a little bit where he's like, fuck y'all, this is what I'm going to be. And, and it was, uh, I think it was a nice, you know, nice piece in there. Moving on. We got chapter 10, another kind of like, um, another kind of down, uh, I don't know. It's not as much of an interlude as chapter six, but it definitely is. Um, kind of the same thing what would you take on this and where are we moving in in section 80 as the album after this well in my notes i just wrote in all caps vulnerability yeah one of our favorite topics but he you know he kind of mentions that in this and how you need to show your pain and like god man like that that's i i say that all the time like show people where it hurts because they're too and they need to see that and Again, back to the Instagram thing, like we're so fake, man. We're all about looking good 
not actually being good. And it's just really bad for people because not only does it not help you get better, but it helps other people get worse. Mm-hmm. It's like, how, how have we developed to the point where we care so much about ourselves that first of all, we're not actually helping ourselves. It's more about the looks than anything. And we also don't really care about helping other people. And it's just like insane that to think that this is what society has turned into. And and I'm not sure what it's going to take for that to change besides, I don't know, maybe an asteroid or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or Thanos. Yeah. Thanos snapped those fingers, baby. And mm-hmm. back to square one. But yeah, again, it's, it's another really, really important message that, that no one can grasp apparently. Um, which which is the sad part about it, but at least he's saying it. Yeah, and uh, the vulnerability is definitely uh, definitely the topic for this this later part of the album. Um, but I like I like that as well. The show your pain. This is your generation. Show your pain. You know, just leave it all out there. Leave it. Let everyone know what it is. And again, high power. If if you believe in high power, kind of, um, then then the people who also believe in it should be around and supporting you essentially is kind of what I take from high power. It's like, uh, it's kind of like amen, you know, in, in um, Christianity, it's like high power, amen. Let's, let's do this together kind of thing. So um, next song is Keisha's song, her pain uh, talking about uh, his little, uh, little sister released it for his little sister is at least what genius says. It kind of talks about, um, you know, the, 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 the pain obviously, and the issues that you could bring along to yourself just by trying to, I don't know, survive throughout the world. Yeah. I think this is probably my favorite song on the album just because of the storytelling aspect in it. I mean, first of all, it's got a really nice beat. It's, it's a kind of a different beat than we're, we've gotten throughout the, the album mm-hmm. at this point, but it's, it's much slower and it's really kind of soothing, but the storytelling is, is so good. And I mean, this song is about prostitution mm-hmm. and this is a song that I almost wish would be like re-released because man, we are in an age right now with like only fans where basically selling your body is almost praised. Yeah. And listen, it's great for money, but that, that kind of goes back to like the, the short term dopamine stuff where you do something for a lot of money and it feels great. But man, what happens when you're 40, 50 and you look back and you just, your whole life was what you looked like and, and what you did on camera, you know? And there's a lot of people that just praise this stuff and it's, Again, it kind of shows where we're at as a society where the stuff we're valuing is very kind of off kilter from what has basically been been valued forever and in, in, uh, in humanity. And verse two was really kind of speaking to that where he says, and Lord knows she's beautiful. Lord knows the usual is leaving her body sore. Her anatomy is God's temple and it's quite simple. Her castle is about to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of speaks to, you know, like God doesn't judge people for what they do, but it's like he, like everyone is made beautiful, right? Everyone is, is seen as beautiful. And it's, it's the decisions we make that kind of, I mean, the, the decisions you make don't change that you're beautiful or not, but 
it's it's so easy to kind of degrade your soul over time by doing stuff like that. And and of course, you know, she doesn't like doing this. And I, I can't imagine that many prostitutes like doing it. It's just something they feel like they have to do. And again, that it goes back to, to what you're taught where a lot of women grow up in places where it's their body is the only thing that's valued. And, and that's why they grew up where they just put a value on their body and that's their life. And it's, it can turn into this where, you know, she ends up getting stabbed and raped in the street. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just a very important message where you want to mess around with stuff like this, where you're just there to, to please a man's, you know, sexual gratification or whatever it's not going to end well yeah and like like you said if that's all you do until you're 40 then you you've kind of set your personality and and who you are based on that fact and when when it's gone you're kind of left with nothing right and you're left with like who and you're kind of back in the circle you're like okay trying to figure out who i am again you know and so uh moving on to the next song rigor mortis this one's a vibe this one's uh this one's a pretty good song. What what do you think about this? Dude, I love this song. This is this is again, this is kind of like the the I'm gonna kill him. Like your favorite rapper, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> it's, like, it's just hilarious to listen to that shit. It's like this man is fuming on confidence. Like there is yeah. not even a doubt. Like your favorite rapper, he's dead. I killed him, you know. Sorry, yeah. but not sorry at the same time. So it, it, it was just. I called it a spitting session. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just got up on that shit. He's like, "Fuck him, man. I'm, I'm killing them all." Yeah, but I, I think this was needed in, in, in the album a little bit too. To take, I mean, you don't want to spend the whole album talking about a lot of the the issues with the world because then you'll you'll lose some of the audience but this is definitely one of those songs you're like okay hold up we're still listening to a, a hip-hop album we're, we're still trying to trying to vibe out a little bit too um but that leads us into the next song cushion corinthians his pain which i this is probably my favorite song on the album um i don't know i i, I like the vibe i like the um the storytelling and then um obviously to the meaning of life what's my purpose purpose maybe this earth ain't a good place to be how far is heaven let's see that kind of gives me some mac miller vibes no yeah i mean i i like this a lot and it it talks about a lot of our favorite uh topics i mean purpose sinning death (laughs) you know uh kind of trying to understand all that stuff and I like the the third verse Kendrick opens up as I open this book and then burn up some of this reefer. My plan is to figure out the world and escape all my demons. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, man, again, that's, that's another one of those uh, show don't tell things where you kind of got to sit back and picture Kendrick just sitting on the couch with it, with his Bible and his weed. Mm-hmm. He, he's about to kill those demons and figure this shit out. Um, and it, it kind of builds off the the stuff we've talked about again, where you, you get to a point where, I mean, not everyone gets to this point, but I think most people do where they spend a lot of their life fighting demons and doing stuff they maybe shouldn't do. And they get to a point where it's like, this shit is not healthy. Like, this is not good for me. 
I'm going to get to old age if I'm lucky and I'm going to look back like, man, I just wasted all that time. And Mm -hmm. I let, I let the demons kind of control me. Um, so it was another really important thing. And BJ, the Chicago kid is a really nice addition to this where you get, you get that really nice R and B vibe thrown in there where he's just like, mama, I just want to sing. It's like, Oh, Kill. <laughs> it kind of builds off again that that purpose um of you know kind of trying to figure out figure what it's all about i mean that's something we talk about a lot with everyone's got to figure it out everyone's got to figure out what you're supposed to do here and when you figure it out it's like that's the power right there that's the high power the high power there you go hughes way to kind of bring it together um a line that i like in this song is don't do it like he did um because he ain't what you is you know be different do different things die to it die to it live your life to it live it right uh i mean that's kind of kendrick in in a nutshell right that's 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 who he is it's don't do it like he did because he ain't what you is Uh, that that line kind of rings in, in into my in my ears and in my and stays in my memory but again that's also like who Kendrick is and how he's gotten to the point where he is only in his first album because he's not doing it like anyone else he's doing it like himself and he does not give a flying fuck either way um but that put, takes us to blow my high members only um an honor to Aaliyah did you see that uh on uh genius I mean, obviously, uh, I, I guess I didn't realize the impact of Aaliyah into a lot of a lot of rappers, like not just Kendrick, but um, a lot of people seem to talk about her. And so do, do you know why? Yeah, I don't either. Um, it, I, I, we've seen it a lot. I think we've probably I think we saw it with Jay Cole, too. He he had a little nod to her. So it's interesting. Um there's like the, the eighties, nineties, there was a lot of influence in that era for the modern kind of age. And Aaliyah, um, seems to be thrown in there a lot. Lauren Hill is another one that gets thrown in there a lot. I think the fact that Aaliyah is no longer with us maybe has a larger impact on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll, that's another thing that I might have to dig into a little bit more, and kind of figure out like what, what exactly was it about her that was so inspiring for, for rappers, you know, it's kind of, kind of an odd place to find inspiration, but I imagine maybe they all had a crush on her (laughs) (laughs) that, that could have been part of it for sure. I also, um, I also feel like maybe she was just kind of played in the house a lot when they were growing up. Like some people kind of, they like to pay tribute to those types of people. But I mean, this song is another really good one to listen to. And, and he does a good job of mixing in the, he, he kind of mixes some different sounds together. And obviously he gets a little bit of a Aaliyah actually in there. Um, so this was just a really nice, nice song to listen to. Yeah. And again, with the theme of, um, you know, smoking and pouring to kind of, you know, reconcile with your issues. Um, uh, another theme, um, but then 15 Absol's outro. I like this one a lot. I really, really like this song. And this kind of felt like the intro to the album until you get high power, of course. But I think that there's a lot of good that you could take from this song. 
Yeah, this is this is a great song, and I'm not a huge fan of Absol, honestly, but mm-hmm. I think he had a really important role in this album, and kind of this is a really nice song to really wrap everything up um, and just tie all the messages together. So it it was really nice, um, and. There was a couple stuff, a couple lines that I thought were really interesting. Like life is a traffic jam. I thought was a funny way to kind of say it. And it's true. I mean, it life is a traffic jam and that's kind of what me and you talk about a lot is the shit's going to come like the shit's going to hit the fan. It just is. And it's going to smell for a while, but you got to clean that shit up, you know? And it's, it's, it's kind of what he's getting at. And I also really like um, this. I'm not the next pop star. I'm not the next socially aware rapper. I am a human motherfucking being over dope ass instrumentation. Yeah. It's like, that's the album right there. Yeah. Like he's speaking his mind. He's not trying to, to be a symbol for anything because when you become a symbol of something, that's when you kind of tie your identity to it. I think we see a lot of that politics nowadays Yeah, where people are just not really willing to change their opinion because they don't want to look like they were wrong before. And it's incredibly dangerous uh, as far as if you're making laws, like you got to have some flexibility on your yeah. But <laughs> But, but just from a human standpoint, like we should all be seeking the truth. Right. And sometimes what we believe is not always the truth. So we have to open ourselves up to the idea of changing and we don't have to, you know, become a, a symbol for an idea. We just have to talk about what we believe in. And I really think that's what Kendrick was getting at there. And he's also going to do it over some dope ass instrumentation. And that's, that's just, uh, that's Kendrick Lamar right there. Yeah. And I like the outro. Um, if, if you don't leave with anything else tonight, you will leave knowing yourself. You will leave knowing that you represent some, something that's bigger than all of us, our family, our heart, honor and respect. This is you, this is me. And we are high power. That is fucking dope as fuck. And that's, that's again, that's what I think again, Kendrick is, is trying to kind of relay. It's like, this is us together. This is, this is what we're doing. This is, we're standing up to this system. Obviously the system um, has been a, a big topic in the album so far. And he's like, if you don't leave with anything else tonight, you will know yourself and you essentially are high power. And then it goes into fucking the song high power, which is an absolute banger. I'm not even going to front. I love this fucking song. <laughs> Um, and it was the first song, the single, it was the first song released from, uh, section 80. So kind of like full circle there. Right. Yeah. And speaking of full circle, did you see who produced this track? Mm -mm. J Cole. Oh my God. Everything comes back around full circle. (laughs) And this is a young J Cole. This is like before he blew up J Cole. I mean, I'm sure he was big at the time, but not as big as he is now. So, and and by the way, it's one of the best beats on the album. So he's the young producer on that one, but the kind of an interesting discussion from Kendrick where he essentially says normalcy is slavery, which, which I thought was a fascinating way to look at life where kind of just trying to fit into the world around you you're you're limiting yourself so much and mm-hmm. it's and and speaking of j cole that's something he talked a lot about too where 
a lot of people's problems are they're locking themselves into this kind of mindset, which is basically the slavery they're talking about, where it's like you're putting yourself into chains here by, by acting this way and thinking this way. And, you know, Kendra talked a little bit about that throughout the album, but he's in this track, he's kind of really going at it where it's like you you're unique, you're special, like you can be you can be that you don't have to just fall in line. And I thought that was a really interesting way to wrap the album up. Yeah. Visions of Martin, Martin Luther staring at me. Martin Luther was a huge influence in this album too. He talks about, or at least in Kendrick's life. And I think you, you see that with the content that he puts out and his desire to, I don't know, make a change. You know, he's not as out, out, of out front and front with it as like Martin Luther King was, but um, obviously his desire to make an impact on the world is, is definitely shown, I think in this album. And uh, again, I'm just going to keep falling back to high power because that's, I, that, that's what I feel like they kept falling back on. And so it's a really simplified way to look at how, uh, how, how the process of, you know, making a change or making an impact kind of happens and it's high power. We all do it together. We all kind of join, join together. And if that was, um, if that, if I took anything from this album specifically, cause we could already start grabbing things from, uh, Kendrick's first album without even saying, okay, he's just trying to, trying to make his way into the, uh, into the hip hop community. No, we're already taking like lessons away from this album. And I think that that is also something that separates Kendrick. Yeah. And I think that's why he's been able to make so much headway to this point where he kind of entered the game just knowing he already knew what he wanted to do. He already knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's a very rare occurrence for basically anyone in life mm-hmm. to just come into a profession like this and to have an art form that is so developed at such a young age. And to again, stick with it, to stick with it, that, you know, having the confidence to stick with it, the confidence within yourself of what you want to do, knowing what you want to do and not letting anyone or anything else tell you otherwise. I think that, that that's also a factor as well. Yeah. And I have to imagine the high power thing is like really like he talks about it so much because that's his life. Like he, yeah. he thinks about it a lot. Like maybe he's got a poster on his wall that says that shit just to remind him like, Hey, like, as I just talked about on this album, like you're the shit, you can be the shit. You just got to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, don't listen to what other people have to say. Don't like, just go back to that thing you have that no one else has and do that. And if everyone in life was like that, man, we would be thriving. But unfortunately, a lot of people aren't. And again, that's why it's important that people like Kendrick make music like this, this that reminds people, hey, you just got to look inside and that's where all the answers lie. That's how you can get everything you want. So for him to be like this at this age was just really fantastic because pretty much every artist to this point the the beginning album was like yeah like it was a nice foundation like that's mm-hmm. what we always like to say it was a nice foundation for who they became but like no like this was a great album it had great topics in it it was very well produced he had great lines in it like it's not the best thing he's ever done but it's it really shows that he was starting off from a very high point 
Yeah, and that, that's just going to lead us into, I mean, we, we know what we get from Kendrick's discography, but I'm really looking forward to kind of diving into each one of them solo. Uh, I think with any artist so far that we've covered, I think that, that, that Kendrick's going to be the one that deserves the most solo kind of look into his albums. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Good Kid, Mad City. I'm really looking forward to hearing that. I, that kind of gives me a from my initial thoughts of it gives me a birds in the trap vibe from Travis Scott where, okay, he just kind of wants to make bangers, but obviously I haven't, I haven't looked into it a bit more, especially when you put in consideration the albums that he dropped after, um, good kid, mad city with, um, to pimp a butterfly and damn, those are obviously a lot like more aligned to section 80. And so I'm going into good kid, mad city thinking, I mean, I, I know a bunch of the songs off the album, already just because of how popular it was and how popular the album was but i'm i'm, I'm gonna definitely looking forward to going in and looking at it in, in in this kind of mindset knowing that kendrick already has a supreme foundation to say the least and supreme understanding of what he wants to do yeah and good kid mad city for me is kind of like how section 80 was where it's been a while since i've listened to it I have a few of the songs on my playlist. So kind of like you, like I, you know, the, the real bangers, they've been in rotation, but as far as the whole story, because that's really what, what's important for these album discussion is what is the actual album trying to say? Mm-hmm. And with singles, you don't really necessarily get that. So I'm definitely excited to dive in this week and, and kind of see how he builds off of section 80 and see is he going to go maybe a little bit of a different direction or is he going to try to build off that even more with the message or is he going to mix them up a little bit, you know? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. See how you get from section 80 to pimp a butterfly. That's, that's really what I'm, I'm kind of interested in uh, because uh, to pimp a butterfly is obviously widely renowned as like one of the best hip hop albums of all time, you know, and, and, and so I, I want to see his, his process of getting, getting to that. And I mean, you kind of, as we mentioned, you see how he can get to that, but I almost feel like to pimp a butterfly should, should have been the next album after this one, you know, because that, that's like that progression that we've seen. in and most of the artists that we've covered so far, it's like, okay, they grab a hold of one thing and then they, the next album, they really are able to kind of refine that. So I'm definitely interested in seeing this kind of like, I don't know, middle marker in, in, in Kendrick's career. I, I feel like this is definitely one of the most, not the weird, not weird sonically uh, albums that we're going to cover, but weird in uh, a discography kind of look, you know, how, do, how does he, how does he skip? Because I, I, I keep going back to like the birds in the trap vibe because, and, and I'm going to compare it to Travis Scott here. Like, I feel like birds in the trap was a good album to, just create commercial success for Travis Scott and much a lot, a lot more than that. You know, it's, it's not like an album that is like Astro world, which is super thematic or, or rodeo, which is kind of like super raw, just Travis introducing himself. I feel like birds in the trap was where he really started uh, seeing a lot of commercial success, even though like some of the hard Travis fans, which I think you are, are one uh, would agree that that's probably not one of their favorite albums. Right yeah there's a kind of divergence in travis fans which with rap is not necessarily rare but there's there's people like me that really loved rodeo and and days before rodeo where it's 
it's more about Travis than anything. And, and the, the production's great. It's unique, but it's not necessarily super enticing to other people and to people that just kind of want to bump it. And I, I know this firsthand because there's some kids I grew up with that are a few years younger than me that are just going into college now. And Birds in the Trap is their favorite album. Yeah. But but when it comes to rodeo, that, that scoots back a little bit. And it kind of shows right there that they don't really care about what the music's saying. They just want to bump it. And again, especially for kids, that's fine. It's to be expected, I think. Um, and Travis's fan base is, is pretty young, I would say. I, I think most of his fans are more high school, college age kids that they're partying. They don't give a fuck about Houston and his grandma. Like they mm-hmm. don't care about shit. They're trying to bump it. So I definitely agree with that. And as far as Kendrick, I, I do want to say that I think it's very easy for us, especially having knowledge of where this goes with Kendrick. It's very easy to just skip albums because if you look at, if you look at what we've done to this point, Four Seals Drive is something that we were kind of waiting to get to, right? But it just so happens that Born Center was a pretty damn good album too, mm-hmm. right? And if you just skip over that, you're missing out on a lot. And and with Mac Miller, like we know what Circles was, that shit was great. But if you skip over Swimming, you're missing a major piece in that too. So I do think this is why it's good that we that we really go through everything because we know what To Pimp a Butterfly is. We know what Damn is. We know that those are kind of all-time albums. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had to get there some way. And, mm-hmm. and Good Kid Mad City is probably going to provide some answers for that. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it, Hughes. Um, but that's going to wrap up our conversation on Section 80. Uh, as always, please like, follow, subscribe, The Running Hook on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. You know, we're on all of them. Uh, just go ahead, give us a like and a subscribe. Really would appreciate it. Uh, we got Lynn Sanity weekly doing NFL recaps, although Lynn's been off the show a little bit. Uh, we got Shaddy Sanity picking up, picking up the pace. Alex and Dylan basketball power. Howard just released their top 100 players, got the 20 top 25 out. Uh, what, 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 where are we heading next for A&D basketball power hour, Hughes? So, I mean, the season's damn near here. Like, we've got preseason basketball going on right now. Damn. Really kind of snuck up quick on us. So, we're going to be doing a – like we did last year, we're doing ceilings and floors for teams. Um, where, where do we think their best-case scenario is and where do we think their worst-case scenario is? I think it's it's a nice way to, to look at teams because you kind of get to discuss – I mean, sports, sports is worst case scenario, best case scenario a lot of time. Like you get injuries, you're fucked. If you got health and good, you know, cohesion and talent, you're going to be great. So it's, we're going to do that this week with the West. And then we're going to be a little bit late with the East because Alex is going on a little trip next week. So the East will be out, I think the week the season starts. So that'll be our next couple of weeks. For sure. Make sure you uh, listen to those. As always, we got Circle City Cinema. T.O.P. has been releasing some stuff since the college football season is going on. USA won the Ryder Cup. That's all I got to say about golf. Brought her home. We got 
two Olympic medals uh, and a Ryder Cup championship. What about the ladies version? Did we win that, I assume? Um, probably I, I'm regrettably not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even though some of them kick ass, man, like Nelly Corda is so good. And she's so attractive. I follow her on Instagram. I love her. (laughs) Oh yeah. Nelly Corda is, is awesome. And I I just have so little time to dedicate to sports at this point. Like, God, I really would love to watch more women's golf and, and I may force myself to do it at some point. And I don't say force myself is like, it's hard to watch. Like it's a great golf is golf, man. I love it. I don't care what gender size you are like, fuck it. I'm going to watch that. Um, But yeah, they kick ass and the USA just stomped all over Europe. I mean, not even close. How, how many centuries is it going to take for Europe to realize they're not on our level with anything? Okay. Yeah. We're taking the breeze. We're beating them in wars. Yeah. And we're, (laughs) And we don't have to talk about the fact that they've won like nine of 11 Ryder Cups before this or whatever it was. That's in the past. Okay, We're back. We're back. <laughs> Not even close. So let's go. All right. That's going to cut it for today's Divine Rhyme. Catch us next week when we're going to be talking about Good Kid Mad City. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening.